0: hi everybody welcome to the don't miss this podcast a come follow me study with emily bell freeman and david butler
1: we fill this show up with all the things we think you don't want to miss in the scriptures every week thanks for listening we hope you enjoy the show
0: hi i'm david butler
1: i'm emily freeman thanks for joining us for don't miss this
0: Each week, what we're trying to do is uh, share with you some of our favorite things from the chapters that we're studying, the things that we don't think you wanna miss.
1: So this week we'll be studying Matthew 1 and Luke 1. In our families, we are gonna study these on Sunday, January 6th, so we will be prepared to learn about them on Sunday, January 13th.
0: Okay, let's jump right in. Okay. Okay, so in this first week, we introduced to two of the gospel writers, because we'll be doing Matthew 1 and Luke 1. So we just wanted to talk about what we know about who those people are. So Matthew uh, was one of Jesus' original 12 apostles. He um, was a scriptorian. He was a tax collector, which means he actually wasn't very well liked uh, in his time period. Or ours. Uh, Or ours, yeah. (laughs) Well, we could bring that up in April if we want. But... um, So it's kind of a neat thing that he ends up being called. We'll talk about that in a future week. But um, one of the things that you want to watch for in Matthew's writings is most Bible scholars think he was writing to a Jewish audience. And so he will quote a lot of the Old Testament prophecies. So notice that as he writes, he'll say, as it was written. And he'll quote an Old Testament prophet because he's trying to prove Jesus as the Messiah to people who would have been familiar with an Old Testament text or record.
1: I'm going to tell you a little bit about Luke, but also let me tell you about this paper that we are studying from. You can get this in our newsletter that we'll be sending out once a week. Um, Be watching for that. And it's just going to give you these key points that you can go from. What I love about Luke is that he was a doctor. People think he was perhaps a convert of Paul and worked with Paul. And they also, Bible scholars, feel like he probably went back and talked to eyewitnesses who were there. Um, when Jesus was there and learned from those people. And so the book of Luke becomes an account of a lot of eyewitnesses, people who share their witness of their encounters with Jesus Christ, which we love. So as we go through Luke every single week, we will be giving you an opportunity to look at those eyewitnesses and then to actually learn from their testimony.
0: Yeah, and you can see that in Luke's writings right at the beginning. Uh, Luke 1, he says, For as much as many have taken in hand to set an order, a declaration of those things, which are most surely believed among us, even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. So a lot of Bible scholars don't think that Luke even knew Jesus personally but he wanted to write the story of people who were eyewitnesses of what Jesus did so that's Yeah, kind we'll of be funny... watching
1: for them. We'll be actually gathering lists of those people as we go through. So be watching for that.
0: Okay, I'm going to start in the beginning of Matthew 1 where he gives a genealogy of Jesus, the generations of Jesus. And one of the things that's interesting about, oh, I'm in Luke, so I'm gonna flip over to Matthew, because... And we're
1: gonna be Matthew right at the very beginning, um, just starting in verse one, and that genealogy goes all the way through until um, 18.
0: Yeah, so he starts off by saying, let me give you the generations or genealogy of Jesus who came from David, he calls him the son of David, meaning King David, and the son of Abraham. Those two are the most important people in uh, Jewish theology. Uh, Abraham is considered the the founder of Jewish of the Jewish faith to them, and then David was the most prized and and golden king. And you can see in the Come Follow Me manual, they'll give a reference to where that's prophesied that Jesus will actually come from the line of David. But um, you'll notice on your paper we have the the crown with the number fourteen. There was a way of counting. Um, Jewish people would take, ancient people would take letters of people's names, the consonants, so D, V, D to mean David, and add those up with their equivalents uh, in the numbered alphabet, and it was 14. So Matthew will point out that Jesus comes 14 generations, and he mentions it three times. And the reason he's pointing out that number 14 is because it's so closely connected to King David, and he wants to point out that prophecy Three times that Jesus is a descendant of King David.
1: Which is so awesome. The other thing that we love about the genealogy in Matthew is something that is unique to this genealogy. Most genealogies list men in the family, the the patriarchs. Um, In Matthew, there are actually five women mentioned. And you find those five women in verses 3. And um, it goes all the way down through 7. So we're going to see Tamar in there, and we're also gonna see Rahab. Um, The spellings of those are a little bit different. That's okay, Bible scholars have helped us to know um, who these women are in scriptures. There's Bathsheba, Ruth, and then obviously Mary will be his mother. And it's interesting that women are in there just for the fact that Christ's story tends to mention women all the way throughout. We think of the woman at the well, who was the first person he declared his messiahship to. We think about Mary Magdalene, who was the first person who saw the risen Lord.
0: Mary, who seems to be Luke's first person that he interviews. So all the way through,
1: we see these women. And even in the genealogy, Matthew makes a point to mention the women, the grandmothers in Christ's life, which I think is significant. But there's more than just the fact um, that these women are mentioned, actually the stories of these women is what makes this mention so profound.
0: Yeah, so Matthew doesn't just mention women. To So to a Jewish audience listening, first they would have been shocked that he even mentions women's name. And then they would have been double shocked with the particular women that he mentioned. So we have their stories, that reference their stories on the paper. And if you'd like, you can go study more about them. But we'll just take a look at these together. Tamar was a woman who was considered... She not only lived a life of tragedy, um, her husband died, she was a widow, but she was also considered a deceiver. If you remember, she's the one who dresses up um, as a, a prostitute to trick her father in law. And so that story, right off, you're like, why would you mention her?
1: Um, so there's the first one. The second one is Rahab. You remember Rahab in the walls of Jericho and Joshua's story. And her. Um, her definition of her name in scripture is a harlot. It's Rahab the harlot.
0: Yeah, and then Bathsheba, who in Matthew's genealogy is mentioned as the wife of Uriah. Of course, she is the adulteress. Adulterer. Is adulteress make her sound better? Um, uh, with King David.
1: Um, then we have Ruth. And you remember Ruth is the one who goes with her mother-in-law back to Jerusalem. The important part about Ruth that we need to remember is she was an outsider. She was a Gentile, and not just a Gentile, but she was from Moab, which was the worst of the worst. So she wasn't just an outsider, but she was like despised yeah, by the people she was going
0: to. that keep in her story that she was from Moab. And the people of Moab actually come from, you remember Lot when he escapes from Sodom and Gomorrah and his daughters and that whole scandal story, that is who the people of Moab come from. So in their time, people from Moab were not only like lifelong enemies to the Israelites, but not even considered on the same level of humanity as them. So her mention is pretty scandalous. And then Mary, of course, um, and then he's about to go into her story, which the people of the time, they would considered her um, an unwed mother. So, Which was
1: worthy of
0: being stoned to death. Right. Right.
1: Um, So these five women that you have here, um, a deceiver, a harlot, an adulteress, um, this Gentile outsider, and then this unwed mother make up the story of Jesus' grandmothers.
0: Right. And what Matthew first points out is all of these women are in the line of King David, the first four. Um, They're all mentioned as this great king that everyone admires comes from these seemingly scandalous stories. Uh, And then he adds Marian to kind of mention, and Jesus comes from that same line. And, And people would have disregarded Jesus because they thought he came from an unwed mother. So first off, Matthew's kind of like helping them doubt their doubts and saying like, hey, King David also came from some sketchy stories but maybe more than that like what it teaches us about you know why they were mentioned
1: yes and this is my favorite part as you look at this um, we see that these women um, show us that Jesus was going to be the Lord of all the Lord of everyone of the outsider of the outcast of what it didn't matter what your station was it didn't matter where you were um, Jesus came from that and Jesus was going to pull us out of that and right at the beginning Matthew's testimony starts so loud and so clear to the Jewish people who Jesus was and who he came for
0: right that he would meet people right where they were and as they were um, and would heal them and make them whole uh, people don't need a savior unless they're in a, in a predicament or a problem and he Starts off the story by saying, look. I'm coming are... for you. Right. Right?
1: I'm coming for you. In
0: his own family mm-hmm. line. Like that is like, that's the, some of you might think like if you, some there's some people have really strong, like good pioneer stock. And there's others who are like, uh, my family's a little bit sketchy. And that might be a great comfort to you to know that Jesus comes in really you know, messy situations yep. like he meets us right. And I love
1: that the testimony comes from the women in his family line. And um, it made me think back when my son Caleb came home from his mission to Serbia. He told us about a tradition that takes place in Serbia that is one of my favorite. When they weren't allowed to practice religion in Serbia, um, they couldn't go to a church, they couldn't talk about the Savior, They they just had to live without religion. One night a year, the families would close their doors and turn out their lights and meet in a central location and they would dye eggs. They would dye them red. They used onion skins to dye these eggs. And as they dyed the eggs, the tradition was that the grandmother of the house would teach about Jesus for the whole night. That was her role, that was her job. And then um, they would put these eggs on their mantles of their fireplace for the whole year. And they would bring luck and then a, remember, um, a remembrance of who Jesus was. And that remembrance was passed down from the grandmothers. And I love the power of women teaching about Jesus Christ.
0: Yeah, particularly in a time when they were disregarded. And happily, we live in a time where they the role of women is being encouraged and exalted. In, in our last general conference, we love these lines from President Nelson where he said, My dear sisters, this is in the women's meeting, you have special spiritual gifts and propensities tonight i urge you with all the hope of my heart to pray to understand your spiritual gifts to cultivate use and expand them even more than you ever have you will change the world as you do so as women you inspire others and set a standard worthy of emulation
1: i love right when he got to the very end he says this my dear sisters we need you we need your strength Your conversion, your conviction, your ability to lead, your wisdom, and your voices. We simply cannot gather Israel without you. I love you, the prophet says, and thank you. And now bless you with the ability to leave the world behind as you assist in this crucial and urgent work. And I love that this call from Matthew about the women is a call we're having today from our own prophet of the power women have to teach in their homes to teach their generations and to continue, um, you know, th- those great grandmothers of Jesus and the tradition of their testimony of Jesus is carried down to us. Today. Yeah.
0: So any of you who are women who are studying along with this, who maybe feel like you're not fit for that task. I, I love that, that declaration from our prophet where he says, you have spiritual gifts. Um, you don't have to be like any other women, like the gifts that you have are fit for your situation, for your family, for the influence that that you have as we begin this year of study.
1: That's so awesome. Um, Okay, do we want to skip into Luke?
0: Okay, yeah. Let's go into these. um, What we want to do with um, these eyewitnesses uh, that we find in Luke are to look particularly at what they knew about Jesus and what they testified about Jesus from their own personal experiences. We thought that would be a fun way to look at these people that Luke and one um,
1: thing that we'll be doing is giving you these pieces of paper here but also as you're following with us and we'll talk more about this um, on our instagram accounts Rana fair has helped put together some journaling pages for us and so we'll have little eyewitness columns that you can actually glue into the margins of um, we're, we're buying a set of scriptures that will just be a glue-in set where you can keep track of those things and actually glue them into your scriptures so that you'll have them in the whole book of Luke filled up with those eyewitness accounts.
0: So all we've done on this paper is just given you the verses where we think their most prominent testimony is and are just kind of encouraging you to go and look and search through there and find what is the line, what are the words that stick out to you that And there's going to
1: be a lot. These testimonies are powerful we just picked out the one-liners that we loved
0: yeah and then, you
1: may find something different when you're going through
0: so the first one from elizabeth my favorite part in elizabeth is when mary comes to see elizabeth for the first time and the king james says she saluted elizabeth i really want to know <laughs> <laughs> what that looked like um but she says that the babe who is john the baptist of course leaps in her womb and i love that right from the very beginning there is a testimony of jesus to elizabeth that whatever um, is, whatever this baby that Mary is carrying, whatever he will do, is going to cause somebody to leap. It's going to cause that kind of joy. That's her first testimony of Jesus: is this will be a baby that brings leaping, dancing joy into the world.
1: Oh, that is so awesome! Um, and I love in Zacharias when you go. Um, his testimony is in Luke, right at the end, 78. And I love when he says this, through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us. And there's two words in there that I love, tender mercy, first of all. This is, um, that is so characteristic of Jesus Christ, is that tenderness. He is the tender Jesus, is what you love to call him. Mm -hmm. And he's gonna bring that mercy into um, our situations, just like that moment Zacharias experienced and Elizabeth, and, and they were able to have that baby. But i love when he calls him the day spring from on high and maybe we don't know what day spring means or have a full understanding i love to go into isaiah 58 11, as we studied that word day spring and um isaiah says this and the lord shall guide thee continually and shall satisfy thy soul in drought and make fat thy bones and thou shalt be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters fell not. That's what a day spring is. It's that where the uh, beginning of a river is, what bubbles up out of the ground and creates those huge rivers, that's a day spring. And I love when it's described as, um, as you think about Jesus, a spring of water, whose waters fell not, because it was his testimony that Jesus won't fail in this. What he promises, he will perform.
0: That's awesome. And Mary says something really similar where she talks about his mercy has been on us from generation to generation. In another uh, translation of the New Testament, it says like waves upon waves upon waves. But this is the line I love from Mary where she says, he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. Um, that Mary's testimony is he brought me, kind of what we were talking about with the women, like from where I was, this poor girl from Nazareth, um, who was going to be disregarded and pushed aside her whole life. That he regarded me like he noticed me, this unnamed unnoticed girl in this poor town and has asked me to do this this great work and I, I think that's a neat testimony of her that she realizes that Jesus knew where she was and who she was and even even though she didn't have the qualifications to be you know mm-hmm. the mother of Jesus, he still called upon her you know to do that and she says at the end of hers too, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, um, he speaks to me too. That She noticed that the same God from the scriptures is the God that she would find in her story. The one who did you know, impossible things in the past was going to do impossible things in her present.
1: Yeah, that's so good. Um, one of the other things that we want to collect as we go through this year is um, to be looking for the names of Jesus. How many different ways he is described and so both in Matthew and in Luke we're going to capture those names for him and we'll be keeping track of those all year long as we go through um, both the names and what the names mean. so maybe we can just um, on your sheet you'll be able to find where those names are right in your scripture study but maybe we can just go through and highlight some of our favorites of
0: those. Right, yeah, so we have um, Jesus which obviously was the name that the angel gave to Mary and Joseph to name the baby um, Jesus is the same as the name Joshua in, in Hebrew. Jesus is the Greek version. Joshua is the, the Hebrew version. Um, but the name means one who helps or saves. But the way Matthew describes it is he says, you shall call his name Jesus because he shall save his people. That is what that name actually means.
1: And I love that Jesus was a really common name.
0: Yeah, um,
1: really back common then. at the time. And um, one of the things that I love about that is that almost... Reminds us that I have come to the earth to be one of you, right? right. I, I'm going to experience what you're experiencing and we see that in that name.
0: Which is kind of what his second name means too. Yes,
1: Emmanuel, um, God with us. And I love that. That he, It's just that reminder. He is going to be with us wherever we are. doesn't matter where you are. He will come to that place. He will find you and he will sit with you and he will bring what you need um, it's a testimony all the way through, starting from Moses, that God wasn't just watching over, um, but the Lord was actually with them to make sure that they lacked for nothing. And yeah. I love that name, Emmanuel.
0: And just a side note on Emmanuel, that Matthew quotes from Isaiah. That is Isaiah's name, that prophecy of Isaiah, for a virgin shall conceive and call his name Emmanuel. That, remember, Matthew's quoting prophecies from the Old Testament. And so that's one actually from Isaiah, that that will be the name of of Jesus, God with us. He actually is Jehovah of the Old Testament, born into mortality. Okay, and then Christ, which is a very common name that we all know, but this is um, the Greek version, Christ. The Hebrew version of the same word is Messiah. It means anointed one. In ancient times, uh, anointed one meant someone who was set apart for a specific purpose. Kings were anointed to be kings. Queens anointed to be queens. And so the name Christ means he was set apart for a very specific mission or purpose, which of course was to save mankind.
1: And then um, Savior, my favorite definition of the word Savior actually comes from the Greek translation of the word, which is sozo. It means saved, whole, and healed. And I love the thought of that. Every time we see Savior, every time we use the word Savior to be thinking, um, so often we just stop at save but to think where do you need to be made whole and where do you need to experience healing right now? That's who He is. That's what He does. And I love that.
0: That's great. Okay, the last thing we want to talk about is just the the little kid thing. Is yeah, right? and,
1: well, and it would be fun to talk about this really quick. So, um, we want this to be a companion study for you, a supplement. Um, to add to what you're doing. So as you get into your Come Follow Me this week and you're going through um, each of those sections, you're gonna find that these things just blend in really well to what you're doing. Maybe you wanna start a journal and just glue your sheet right in there. And then as you go through Come Follow Me and you go through those exercises, um, that's all, this is gonna just complement this um, structure that I think is inspired and so important for what we're doing. And we'll go through and mention things um, Also that we're doing um, from these pages that maybe would be a standout to you. My kids are all older. I have teenage kids and then um, kids who have moved away, they're at college and they're married. And Greg and I are studying at home. And so our study is things that we're doing here and sending out to our kids. David's kids are little. So we thought it might be fun to talk about how we're both using Come Follow Me in our homes and what that is going to look like for us.
0: Yeah, and I actually love the suggestion Um, and come follow me, it's under the spot where for family, even your family scripture study, it comes off of Mary's line or the angel who says to Mary, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. Uh, This is right after the story of Zacharias and Elizabeth, who were barren and old and couldn't have children and then have a baby. Um, The angel uses that as proof to Mary um, that she also can do this impossible thing that God is asking her to do. And I like the idea of having the kids, let's talk about these stories in Luke one and what might've seemed impossible to people. And then I think we're gonna grab a copy of the, like the gospel art book and have them flip through. And it's like, when else in scripture have there been impossible situations? Like Moses at the Red Sea or Daniel in the lion's den, where everybody else would have said, this is impossible. Um, and then God comes in and proves to be a God who can do anything, anytime, anywhere. And that's what we're gonna do with our kids for our family home evening study of this is talk about the impossible story of Mary and where else in scripture we've seen God do impossible things. And then maybe in our situation in our family right now, what impossible things are in front of us. We have a situation in our family right now where we are praying for an impossible miracle and I wanna talk to the kids about that is something that um, if God chooses to do it, he can.
1: Oh, that's so awesome. We're just super excited to be part of this with you. We both feel really strongly about this new program from the church. Uh, We know it's inspired. We are really excited to be strengthening our own homes, making them more Christ-centered and Christ-focused and really taking that extra hour a week to strengthen um, the bedrock foundations of our families and our testimonies. And We're just excited to be a part of this with you. This is our first one. We would love feedback from you. What do you want from us? What is helpful? Um, We're going to post this on Instagram, TV and Facebook. um, Possibly also on YouTube so that you can easily find us. But we would love direction from you. How can we help? What do you need from us? Where do you want to find us? Um, What can we do? And just, just give us all the feedback you can that will help us to be able to get this right.
0: We're trying to help you study the scriptures a little bit better so that you are better prepared to go and teach your family. We don't want to take over what you're trying to do, but we hope that as you study and as you get your own insights from us, as you look, as you read, then you can pass the ones that you feel like are...
1: Important for your family to just your family.
0: them. So, hopefully this was helpful. We'll see you next week.
1: Yeah, see you next week.
0: This audio was taken from a YouTube video from our YouTube channel. You can find us on YouTube at Don't Miss This.
1: Also, sign up for our newsletter at don'tmissthisstudy.com, and you can follow us on Instagram at Emily Bell Freeman and at Mr. Dave Butler.
0: Thanks for listening. Bye.